Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bart Winkler, back in for Bill Ryder today. I'll be back tomorrow, and then Bill returns on Wednesday as he continues to enjoy his vacation over the 4th of July, and I think a lot of you may be doing that right now. There may be a few of you at work. I follow you know, people on Twitter. I'm at Twitter on Winks Thinks, if you want to go there. But I follow, and it's like a lot of people that I know are working today. They are. And then they attach a picture of themselves at work saying, hey, I'm working on a Monday. Anybody else working with me? And it's like all people I know in radio it's like, or TV. It's like, hey, I'm working today. I'm going solo on my radio show. Okay, all right. Hey, I'm working today. I'm producing this newscast for you for the uh, 3rd of July. New news. Okay, all right. It seems like everybody else essentially has the day off. I'm in Milwaukee, as Big Voice Guy says. Traffic's not too bad here normally. I do go to a studio to do the show, and uh, I do I do have to check the, the Google map to see where the hot spots are. To see where is it yellow and where is it orange and where is it red? What what areas should I avoid? What other route can I take? And today, of course, all green. So I think a lot of people, whether it's uh, a weekend that you're just spending at, at a picnic site or a campground or on on a boat on some water, uh, just at home, trying not to you know burn your house down with a badly timed firework, you're uh, enjoying the holiday and an extended week, of course. With it being on a Tuesday, when when Fourth of July is on a Monday, it's like all right, I get Monday off and then we'll go back Tuesday. And if it's on a Friday, you think eh, all right, I'll, I'll work the week and then we got a three day weekend. When it's any other day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're just like ah, you know, screw it, I'll take the whole week off. 
because I'm not going to go back Monday, right? I'm not going to I'm not going to work on Monday when I'm off Tuesday and then come back Wednesday. If I'm going to come back Wednesday, what's a what's a 3-day week going to do? I might as well take the whole week off. So it does seem like a lot of people are doing that. And uh their vacation is our game because we're here to be with you again on this Monday. Going to talk uh, all things Pittsburgh coming up. Andrew Destin from the Post-Gazette will join us, talk some Pirates, look at where they're at in the NL Central, who might be available. They were doing very well, very well in the NL Central in a division that it seemed like nobody wanted to win for a while until the Reds called up their entire AAA team and got really good, and then the Brewers started to figure some things out. Cubs still struggling, not living up to their talent. The Cardinals, one of the disappointing teams. You've got a lot of... These teams that are so good roster-wise, Cardinals, the White Sox, the Mets, of course, the Padres, and yet they are all about 9, 10 games under 500. So it could be a very interesting market. And for a team like the Pirates, you know, normally where they've been is, all right, they try, doesn't work, they maybe sell off some of the pieces and, and keep building for the future. They do seem to have more of a of a eye on the future, actually signing some guys to some extensions, signing some guys to some deals. Normally they would have let those guys go, like the Brian Reynolds of the world, they would have let them go, but they do seem to have more of an eye on the future. It's just they they got in a bad uh, skid there. I think it was up to 10 in a row they lost, and so they'll try to figure out now. But in competing with trading, in trying to trade guys, they're now competing with some of these big boppers, some big lineups that may or may not be interested in selling off their guys. Could the Mets be sellers? And and who on that roster is going to go? Could the Padres be sellers? And a lot of these teams, again, have these guys signed for a few years, but Juan Soto's a big one. Juan Soto's got an arbitration year next year, and then that's it. And so he could very well be moved at this deadline as uh, as the Padres are a lot worse than people thought they would be. They're saying all the right things in in San Diego. They're saying all the right things. Oh, we got plenty of time, you know, but they don't. They they, they don't. If you're at a point now in the standings where you're 10, 11, 12 games under 500, I don't know that you have the time. A month ago, you did. A month ago, if you were not a good baseball team, you could rip off 10 in a row, win 9 of 12, win 12 of 13, and get to a really impressive spot and contend. That's what the Reds did. But they were like the only team that was able to do that. And so many of these other teams not able to get one of these winning streaks going. All you need is a, a real strong two weeks to get back in it. That's not the case anymore. Now the time's a little shorter. You might need a good three weeks, a good month. And it seems like the clock is running out for these guys. So as the trade deadline approaches, and we can have more of those conversations now. I always feel weird talking. We, we talk about, in MLB, we talk about the trade deadline like after the first week. And it's not until the end of July, but we talk about it. All right, are they going to be buyers or sellers? Dude, the team is four and three. Relax. But now that we're actually in the month with the trade deadline, and we've seen some trades, uh, our oldest Chapman got traded from the Royals to the Rangers, so some teams try to jump ahead of the deadline. Now I think we can have those real conversations. I always feel weird, even if it's even if it's June 30th. Ah, we're not we're not quite there yet. You still got a little bit of time, but we are in July now with the trade deadline coming up. And then, of course, they take a whole week off pretty much with the All-Star break uh, next week. So that should be interesting to see which of these teams, if any of them, can have a last gasp here and see who their 
uh, trade targets will be or if they will be buyers or if they will be sellers. All-Star Reserves named yesterday. A lot of deserving players, of course, getting on this list. A lot of guys, the, I, I like the All-Star Reserves and I like the All-Star Game because I, I do think that baseball does a good job of making sure the guys that are that are good in the season of the All-Star Game get represented. You know, sometimes in these sports, I felt like the NBA might have been this way for a while, is it takes a while for a guy to catch up. He's having a good year, but it takes a while for him to get actually named an All-Star. But in baseball, there's a lot of guys, if you're just somebody that follows your team and maybe watches one other national broadcast a week, there's a lot of guys you might not know that are All-Stars that when you turn out of the game next Tuesday, you're going to be able to see. Usually in the pitching department, there's a lot of those guys like a Bryce Elder who's having a really good year for the Braves, uh, Justin Steele for the Cubs. Him and Stroman are kind of battling as to who their ace is going to be. Josiah Gray is the Nationals representative, uh, and he's a pitcher, and he's been doing very well. It's great to see Jorge Soler get an all-star nod for the Marlins. In the American League, you've got a handful of these guys as well, uh, like a uh, Michael Lorenzen with the Tigers. Um, you've got some of these pitchers, Felix Batista. Uh, and the Orioles, they've got their setup guy and their closer. So it's great to see some of these guys that maybe you're not as familiar with get these nods. They're certainly deserving. They're having a great year. And then the guys that are like hurt, you know, like an Aaron Judge might not make the All-Star game because he hasn't been an All-Star this year. Now, he did make it, but he'll be likely replaced. But it's it's great to see guys that are getting this kind of recognition, and it's great to see. It's a great way to learn, too, about some of these other guys. I, I don't know. I still like the All-Star game. I always will. I'm like one of these guys that likes every All-Star game, and I defend the All-Star games. I just thought the All-Star games were the coolest thing growing up, and I and I think they still are, but the allure has been taken away almost in each and every one. I do understand that as the years go on. The uh, Major League All-Star game... That's the easiest to point to why it's not as important or impactful as it used to be is because the All-Star game, I grew up, man, I hate always to say my age, we're pushing the fourth decade here, but I grew up where this was the only time other than the World Series where you saw the National League players on the same field as the American League players. It was the only time. It was the only time it happened other than the World Series and maybe some spring training. That's why spring training was unique, too, but nobody watched that unless you went there on vacation or lived there. But that was, like, the only time that you actually got to see it in action where you could see, like, oh, Shohei Otani is on the same field as a Freddie Freeman or a Ronald Acuna. It was the only time that that would ever go down, and you'd see pitching matchups that you wouldn't normally see uh, with it being an American League guy and a National League guy. So it was very neat. I still think it's neat. I also think the All-Star game, all of these All-Star games, they're just not as like impactful, like I said, as they used to be. In the NFL, nobody's, everybody stopped tackling, uh, and so they're now like basically a flag football game if they've taken away the Pro Bowl, which I still think stinks. I still think for an All-Star football game, you can have guys not really tackle. Still, like, weak football, football that looks like flag football, football that's so bad and, like, devoid of contact that people criticize and say, 
that looks like flag football. It is still immeasurably better than flag football. Okay? So I would still prefer they line up with 11 guys, have the linemen just kind of stand there and put their hands up, not really block, not really tackle, have the helmets on. I would much prefer that than whatever we got this last year. In the NBA, of course, I don't know why they used to do this, but they used to play defense from the jump, and the All-Star games would be like 97 to 92. Now they're about 170 to 160, and we keep waiting for a game to crack 400 points total. Uh, I still enjoy the NBA All-Star game, but it does kind of lack competitiveness until the end of the game. And then with MLB, yes, it's not as unique because these guys do see each other a little bit more, and there's more player movement. So this guy is on this team, and this guy's on this league, and there's there's more changes like that. Also, I think the problem with the All-Star game is every pitcher now can throw about 100. And what happens is these guys go out there, and it's all relievers, maybe a starter or two who can still throw 100. But if you tell these pitchers, we just need one inning from you or a couple of batters, they'll just throw 100 few times, nonchalantly, and then strike out everybody, and all these All-Star games finish like 3-1, to one, and it's two home runs that the runs came on. So they're not as exciting as they maybe used to be. It's still cool. It's still a great event. It's still one of the marking points of summer. The Home Run Derby actually may be getting more like of the allure than the All-Star game itself, just because you got more guys that are still doing it. Julio Rodriguez is going to do it. Pete Alonso announcing last night he's going to do it. He loves this. He loves this competition. So it's much better than the slam dunk contest because slam dunk contest you slam dunk contest should not be the introduction point to who these guys are. And in the NBA lately, it's been that way. In MLB, it has not been that way. You're you're actually aware of who's these who these guys are at some of the big boppers. So it's cool to see the All Star lineup get announced. I also do like. And some people may have mixed feelings on this, and maybe it can be in other sports, maybe not. But I do like that every team is represented. I do like that there's at least one Milwaukee Brewer, that even though the Cardinals are bad this year, you have a St. Louis Cardinal represented. That the Padres, as bad as the Padres are, we mentioned them, uh, they do, I think they got two guys in. I think Josh Hader got in. Uh, The Washington Nationals, I believe have one guy, that would be Josiah Gray, who I mentioned. But then that also means that a team that is flirting with being historically bad also does get an all-star representative. And I don't know that that, like, I don't know that that is as deserving, and he probably wouldn't say that he is. The 23-63 and Oakland Athletics do have an all-star representative by the name of Brent Rooker. Now, is Brent Rooker one of the 32 best players in the American League? Probably not. But I do think it's great that everybody is sort of and it's it's not like it's it's not a participation thing. He's still the best player on his team. He still is having a decent I don't even know, I don't want to say all-star season, but he's having a decent season. He has been sensational through the first couple months of the year. Um, he earns his first trip to the Midsummer Classic. He had a great March in April. He hit 353 in those months. He had a 1.245 OPS across those months. 
He leads Oakland with 13 home runs and 39 RBI. Again, it's not like it's not like he's the greatest player in the league. And if you drafted the first 100 players in the league, he probably doesn't get there either. But I do think it's good that everybody is represented. Uh, represented is how most people say it. But I do think it's good that everybody's represented in the All-Star game. Looking forward to that. Hate when your baseball team takes off for a few days, but do like the All-Star Derby, uh, the Home Run Derby on Monday, and then the All-Star game, I should say. And it's much better that it doesn't count for anything that was a... Uh, very ill-timed. We really overreacted to that. The the level, the amount of things that have happened in sports that we've overreacted to, freaking out about a tie in the All-Star game has to be number one. It is an exhibition game, and they tied. Who cares? I can't tell you right now who won last year. I can't tell you what the score was. I can't tell you anything about it. And I sat down and I watched the entire game and then talked about it for three days afterwards on the radio. But it does not retain my memory. Yet, because they tied once in this exhibition, we gave the World Series winner home field advantage. Did that impact future results? Is that a what-if scenario? I don't know. But interesting. Let's keep talking some baseball. We'll do that coming up. Uh, you guys can chime in throughout the show, of course, on Twitter at CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4227, 855-212-4CBS. I'm Bart Winkler, in for Bill Ryder, CBS Sports Radio. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. CBS Sports Radio, my name is Bart Winkler, in for Bill Ryder. You guys can contribute to the show yourself, 855-212-4227. You can also reach us at CBS Sports Radio on Twitter if you're uh, able to. Spend, spend one of your rate limit tweets on us, if you mind. Is that joke still funny? I don't know. It was funny on Saturday. It might have uh, died already. Pirates made a good uh, joke at that after they lost and uh, tweeted about that. So it's good to see them get in on the fun. Andrew Destin covers the Pirates, also covers the Penguins for the Post-Gazette in Pittsburgh. Big week for them with the MLB draft coming up. But as far as the Major League team, Andrew, and thanks for a couple minutes, you know, I'm in Milwaukee, so I'm a Brewers guy, and we're looking at this NL Central, and nobody wanted it for a while. Pirates in first place, and... A lot of people throughout the division think, ah, no, they'll fade away. They'll fade away. And I thought, I don't know. This could be a different Pirates team. And then they lost <laughs> 10 games in a row. Uh, what what happened with Pittsburgh? They were they were in first place for a while. Oh, man. Well, well first part, thanks for having me on, on the show. Uh, this Pirates team, uh, I, I think it's kind of been a reverse, reversion back to the law of averages. And to expand upon that, this is a team that, I think really surprised us in that month of April and uh, eventually teams show us who they really are. Right. And speaking of that NL central, the St. Louis Cardinals, right. They've shown us all year that, Oh, we keep thinking they're going to get there. They're going to figure it out. But if your pitching's no good or your bullpen's no good, that can really spell a lot of problems. And for the pirates, I think for the month of May and really for most of June, 
It was the culmination of lackluster hitting for the most part because you had no Brian Reynolds in the lineup. You had no Andrew McCutcheon for a little bit and a lot of guys who were really struggling. I think there was one stretch um, where in their last 96 at-bats, I think it was, Rodolfo Castro, G1 Bay, Austin Hedges, and Jack Swinski were combined 0 for 96, right? I mean, that's uh, <laughs> unthinkable stuff in terms of just uh, not putting it together as an offense. So you put that together with a bullpen that was down most of its arms. Um, it felt like an all-but-forgotten uh, you know, all thought that this was going to happen, um, that eventually the Pirates would fall back down to earth. And, you know, after they uh, lost those last two to your Milwaukee Brewers, um, I think we're really starting to see what this Pirates team is, right? They've lost five of six to the Brewers, um, essentially you know, swept by the Cubs in Chicago, back in Pittsburgh as well. So, and, and, you know, that's a team that's pretty much similar record-wise with them at 38-44. and 44. The Pirates are 39-44. and 44. Now that distance is starting to increase. And from my standpoint, obviously we still have plenty of time left in the season, but it feels like that NL Central race is becoming uh, really just between the Reds and the Brewers and that the shoe has uh, no longer fit on the Cinderella story of the Pirates. And I'll get back to the NL Central overall here in a second with you, but on the Pirates being 39 39- and 44, I think in just watching this team, you know, they had their run where it seemed like they were in the um, wild card game every year to not great results. But then there's this this period of time where it didn't seem to me like they were really focused on the future. Like there wasn't a plan. It was just, you know, be 10 games under 500, trade some guys off, whatever. With with the contracts that they've given out, they locked out Brian Reynolds for a while, and I think in the past he might have been a guy that they would have flipped. Uh, Brian Hayes locking him up on a very team-friendly deal. I at least think there's a difference in philosophy where they are kind of focused a little bit on eventually winning. Is that uh, am I being is that a mirage to me, or is that is there some truth to that in Pittsburgh? No, I, I think there's definitely some truth to that. I, I think you look at this team and look at the way that it's structured right now. We're a few years into the regime that's with Ben Charrington running the show as general manager, with Derek Shelton as your manager. I mean, they endured a lot of losing because it was, we're going to let the young guys play and figure out what sticks and what doesn't. And that's been a productive endeavor just because, you know, you allowed a guy like a Mitch Keller to work through his shortcomings, right? There was a lot of time there where Mitch Keller was not a major league pitcher. And he would be the first to tell you that. <laughs> and uh, now you look at what he's doing this year, and, it's, I mean, he's he's an all-star. So it, it just goes to show you that there's a plan in place of um, we're going to work with what we have. We're going to see what we have in terms of the prospect pool. We're going to beef that up and try to um, fill in the farm system in between the gaps, which they've done for the most part, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit, too, with the MLB draft, but um, still some shortcomings in certain areas. So I think there is a plan in place. Um, but to that point, I think this season was a little bit ahead of the timeline um, in terms of being as competitive as, they, as they've been, right? I mean, any team would like to be better than five games below 500, but I don't know that the Pirates necessarily expected to be here this closely, uh, or at least this soon. I think this was probably a year further down the timeline, and this gave people a lot of expectations and a lot of hope that this could be a uh, you know a potential playoff season, like you mentioned in the you know, early to mid-2010s. Uh, they're probably still a year away from being at that level, but there is a plan in place. And I think next year, especially with some of the prospects that they've started calling up, whether that's Henry Davis being up there or eventually turning to um, your catching prospect, Andy Rodriguez, Quinn Priest or the pitchers waiting in AAA, like it's getting close to being at this point where they feel like they can be really competitive. 
but they're probably still, I think, a year away from, I want to say going all in, but versus trading a few guys at the deadline um, more to acquire guys. Talking all things Pittsburgh with Andrew Destin, again, covers the Penguins and Pirates for the uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. It is really interesting. You look at the standings this time of the year and a record that looks like, you know, 38 and 46 or 39 and 44. Sometimes if there's like the the little Pirates logo next to it, it's like, oh, okay. But if there's like the Mets logo or the Cubs logo next to it, it's like, oh, my God, that's horrendous. And you've seen some teams in the National League. The National League Central and the American League Central have been getting uh, made fun of by everybody in baseball because there's not really anybody that's good. It's kind of like who doesn't want to win this division. In the last two, three weeks, the Brewers have been playing better at the, uh, you know, not the beneficiary of the Pirates at their expense, but also the Reds bringing up a bunch of young guys. With seeing the teams that you have, do you have a front runner between the two of them uh, in terms of who you like in the NL Central? Yeah, I stick with pitching. I mean, that's just I, I, that's where I go, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this part, considering it's, uh, it's your Brewers. But I think this is Milwaukee's division. I, I think Cincinnati is a fun story. They had a great run there with their long winning streak, and man, oh man, is Ellie De La Cruz fun to watch. Um, but but no, I, I think the Brewers division, just given what they have in terms of the starting rotation, the only concern I got with Milwaukee is that bullpen. Uh, until you get the ball to the ninth inning, and it's not too different from what the Pirates have with getting it eventually to David Bednar in the ninth. With the Brewers, it's kind of a matter of what do you have in that bullpen besides the ninth inning. So that's the only really concern that I have. Versus with the Reds, I mean, the starting pitching, you look up and down the board, it's you know, an Ashcraft who really hasn't had a great season. It's just been a rotation. You know, Hunter Green still sidelined, I believe, with, on the IL. So I, I look at the rotation with what the Reds are doing. Um, the offense is great. It's awesome to see the young guys up there. But I still think I'm going to side with pitching and go with the Brewers. I think the Brewers, they had a record of 53 guys that they used last year at some point, and they were at 45 already by June 1st in terms of guys on their roster. And they have been churning and burning with that bullpen. So you're right, Devin Williams being an all-star at the back end of that thing, and there's other guys that they like in there, but it's just, you know, innings 5, 6, and 7, sometimes 8, can be kind of a disaster. Now we talked about the the outlook of the Pirates in the future. And I think what's very interesting about the MLB draft this year is that a lot of times, and the Pirates having the number one pick, but a lot of times we look at this draft and it's a bunch of guys we just don't know or guys that are going to be high schoolers that are going to be years away. Sometimes you get a guy that could be two and a half, you know, three years away, and you get a little more excited. With how big the College World Series was, getting everybody's attention, now you could have, I think, four of those guys from the championship series within the top ten, including uh, whoever the Pirates want to go with. They've got they've got the pitcher that they can take. They've got Dylan Cruz that they can take. Do they have a a favorite? Do you know? Do, are you more expecting them to take one? Because these guys, I mean, it may not be that long before they're in a big league Pirates uniform. Yeah, it, it's a tough one because you look at it, I think both, uh, we're talking about both the LSU guys. I think let, let's just start there. Is that yeah. I would be really, really surprised if the Pirates' number one overall did not go with either Paul Skeens, the pitcher out of LSU, or Dylan Cruz, the outfielder that everybody's talking about out of LSU. Right? These, these two guys are, in any other draft, they're going 1-1. Um, these two guys are, you know, elite prospects in their own right. Skeen's a guy who can reach 100. Cruz is a guy who got on base, what was it, every every game of his 
of his college career, it felt like. Um, so these are two guys who are a great talent in their own right. I think the discussion with the Pirates is an interesting one because they want to go. It's been made pretty clear by Ben Sherrington that they're going to go with whoever they think is the best talent. This isn't like two years ago in the 2021 draft. They went with Henry Davis uh, because there was no clear-cut number one overall guy, and they wanted to save some of that bonus money, that slot money, and spread it around because they had a bunch of comp picks. They had a bunch of early second-round guys. They had a few in the comp round, and that's worked out great for them because you've had a couple of nice pitching prospects like Anthony Solomito, a high school arm, who you weren't sure you were going to be able to sign, but you will woo him with money, right? So that all goes to the point that I don't think we're going to see that this year with the Pirates. It's either going to be Skeens or Cruz, and I think it just comes down to philosophically what this uh, franchise desires. Do they want the front-end arm, a guy who you can – uh, pencil right in there as your, you know, your first game starter, your eighth, is that what you're looking for? Then it's schemes. And we've seen the Pirates do that before, albeit with a different regime with Garrett Cole. And I think the Pirates as a, as a franchise, developing arms has been a little bit more difficult for them than outfielders. But then there's an equally valid argument to be made about Cruz because you look at the Pirates, you know, top 20 prospect list, um, your best outfield prospect is Lonnie White Jr., um, a guy who's basically been injured since they've drafted him. So, um, to me, I think Cruz is the guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Skeens. It's, uh, I'm giving you a middle-of-the-ground answer here, but it's definitely one of the two LSU guys, and I'm thinking it's probably Cruz. I'm just excited that I, like, I'm aware of the guys that are going to get drafted in the top two, top three. I, that, that, like, never happens. Uh, you see it in right. other sports, because even, even in basketball now, it's like, Oh, okay. I know that guy. I know that guy. And then it's like, ah, he played overseas. I don't know him. And you know, baseball's a little more high school, but it's it's great to see. And I think it's going to bring in more attention and definitely uh, more eyes on the Pirates and and what they do in the future. One more for you. I just I got to ask you about the Pittsburgh Steelers because sure. this is a, this is a division that they're in that I think like I I think that Kenny Pickett could work there, and I think that he had a nice you know rookie season. I think he could turn into be one of the franchise quarterbacks in the uh, NFL in terms of a guy that the Steelers would love and wouldn't trade for anybody. He's not there yet, but I think that he could develop into that. The fact that Mike Tomlin was able to take that team last year, win four in a row at the end of the year, and not have a losing record to keep that streak going was tremendous. I don't know what the outlook needs to be on them, though, because they might be in you know, the toughest division. The Ravens, I think, are going to be good. The Bengals, of course, are going to be Super Bowl contenders. I think the Browns are such a wild card, but if if Deshaun Watson plays capable, they're very good. What's the outlook with the Pittsburgh Steelers? They could be a surprise team, but also that division is just too tough. Yeah, it's a tough division. You're absolutely right. Arguably the best, or if not, it's you know number two or number three in football. Um, I, I think the outlook, the way the kind of general consensus on it is, is this is another year where you'd like to be around 500, and if you win a game or two extra, maybe you sneak into the playoffs, right? I mean, this is – you easily could see three teams, uh, you know. You could see easily see three teams from the AFC North, um, you know, make, make the playoffs this year. I think the key with Kenny Pickett, just to, to hammer home that point, is um, they're really trying to surround him with weapons now. I mean, you got Deontay Johnson under contract now. The shrewd move to pick up Allen Robinson over the offseason – George Pickens back for a second year. Um, now Miles Austin, Calvin, uh, Miles Boykin, excuse me, Calvin Austin is back healthy after missing all of last year, his rookie season. So it's like you've got a bunch of pieces in place. I'm not even talking about Pat Firemuth or Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia they got. I think the, the, the question here is 
they want to be a run first team with Najee Harris, but do they have enough weapons around Kenny Pickett that if he wants to wheel and deal and throw 35, 40 passes in a game, can he be effective? Um, and if he is, then that's, that, that speaks really well for those Steelers, and this could be a team that could contend for a playoff spot. But otherwise, I think you could see something pretty similar to last year. Um, the defense is just where I have a few questions, because I like the Patrick Peterson signing, but uh, he's getting up there in age. Is he going to be a corner? Is he going to transition to a safety role? Joey Porter Jr., they picked him pretty darn high, I believe, at number 32 overall, basically a first-round talent. He's likely going to be a day-one starter, so these guys to have optimism and excitement for, um, but they're also new pieces to a puzzle for a defense that long has been, you know, holding them up, keeping the team afloat. This year we maybe see them take a step back as the offense takes a step forward. What's the net-net gain on that? I think that's a really interesting question. Is If the offense improves, does the defense hold the – hold ground and allow for this to be a playoff team. Should be interesting all the way around. Uh, an exciting time in Pittsburgh. Andrew Destin, good to talk to you, man. Keep up the good work, and we'll be in touch. That's great. Thanks for having me, Bart. Have a good one. Happy Fourth. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. CBS Sports Radio, my name is Bart Winkler, in for Bill Ryder here today as the 4th of July holiday turns into a five-day extravaganza for a lot of people. Hey, you know what? Maybe just take a, uh, take the whole week off. Take the whole week off. Sometimes 4th of July falls on a weekend. Sometimes it falls on a Monday, and it's like, all right, let's just take a couple days off. Sometimes it falls midweek, and all of a sudden it's like that week between Christmas and New Year's and where nobody does anything anyway. Plus, it's summer, and feels like nobody's working anyway. We all We all kind of take a summer vacation, do we not? A little bit. I mean, I know there's some things that come up, and but come on, it's summertime. It's, it's, it's some places, in some places, there's like the six weeks of the year. Yeah, six weeks of the year where it's nice. I do Sunday afternoons here on CBS Sports Radio throughout the summer. And one of the things that I've been talking about a lot, I'm going to uh, amplify again today. And I believe I talked about this on Bill's show when I was here on Memorial Day. Is I just, I just, maybe, maybe nobody cares. Maybe nobody cares as much as I do. But every baseball team should be playing today. I think 10 of them have the day off. There are 10 games today, 10 games times two teams per game means 20 teams is how I'm doing the math. And that means 10 teams are off. There's five cities that could have a baseball game today on a day where a lot of people are off and a lot of people are looking for stuff to do. And a lot of people think baseball and I compare it to the NFL in the NFL in their regular season, they make sure to take every day that they can. You know, they make sure to take every day. I'm I'm actually surprised they haven't gone to Friday nights yet. And I know that high school football plays on Friday nights and people would be really upset, but college is dipping in there, and I think it's a matter of time before the NFL throws a game on a Friday night. They do have the Black Friday game during the Thanksgiving weekend, so they're still they're always looking for people are home. We can get eyeballs. How can we get those eyeballs? The Christmas Day thing where they recently started dipping into they're treating Christmas Day now like a second Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in the NFL, of course, that's been synonymous for you know, 60, 70, 80 years they've been playing on that day. And recently, Christmas, when you thought Christmas, you thought, ah, eh, maybe there's some weird bowl game at night in college, and then there's NBA. And we'll, you know, we'll turn on the background. Maybe my team's playing, but it's Christmas. We're gonna and now the NFL's like, no, we're gonna give we're gonna give you three games. Christmas on a Monday this year. 
we're getting a triple header on a Monday, but that's because the NFL, you know, they kick out their schedule. They do all these computer simulations. They kick out their schedule. And then it's like, well, where, where can we add games to get more eyeballs? Where can we really just enhance this product and be everywhere for people? And they've done a good job of that. If the NFL played a summer schedule, there would be no way that they let teams not play on Memorial Day. There would be no way that they let teams not play on July 3rd. The Philadelphia Phillies do not play today. They don't play today. They didn't play on Memorial Day. They didn't play last year on Labor Day, and they didn't play on July 4th last year, which just seems like a missed opportunity. Because today is a day where if you have off, and Memorial Day was the same way, and the 4th of July tomorrow, if you have off, you're thinking... You're thinking baseball. I can't tell you how many times that, you know, it's been this kind of day where it's a day game or it's a day off in the middle of summer. You just think, I'm sure there's a baseball game on. Is my baseball team playing? And there's only, I think there's two day games today and then a bunch at night. But at least a bunch of teams are playing, but still 10 aren't. Everybody plays tomorrow and there's a handful of games throughout the day. It's kind of like a Sunday schedule tomorrow, but still you can't really find it on TV unless it's your local team. I think that one of the networks should be throwing baseball games on all day. Tomorrow night, thankfully, Shohei Otani is on national TV. It's the Angels and the Padres, and they are putting that on, I believe it's TBS. So they are putting that on national TV at a time that's very digestible for people. It's 540 Central, so 640 Eastern, 340 on the West Coast. Because a lot of times it's been hard, and we'll talk about Shohei Otani a little more today, but it's been hard to watch this guy because of the West Coast. He, they play their games so late. I think baseball you know, would be, wouldn't be would be the worst thing in the world if they kind of timed Shohei's starts and thought, all right, can we just find a way to put this on national TV and maybe scoot it up an hour or so? Can we, can we get eyeballs on? I mean, this is... But this guy's got the potential to be the greatest baseball player that ever lived. And I understand the other names that might come to your head. But he's got the potential to be the greatest baseball player that's ever lived. And he's just buried on Fox Sports West 2 or whatever he's on. Bally Sports Anaheim. I don't know. This guy should be on TV all the time. Like MLS. They're getting Lionel Messi to come over to play for Miami. Okay, I get they have their... Apple TV package, but let's get some games on TV, man. Let's make sure that if you're going to spend all this money to get the greatest soccer player in the world, the guy that people view as a god more than a player, let's at least put him on, you know, broadcast television or at the at the worst cable. Market yourself. Get 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 your games out in front of people. I just think it's a huge error for baseball to not have had everybody play on Memorial Day. And then to to miss out on today. Yes, everybody plays tomorrow. Everybody plays on the 4th of July. It's a Tuesday. Nobody ever is off on Tuesdays in baseball. Mondays they do with getaway days and travel. But I think when the MLB schedule kicks out, it should then look at itself and say, all right, what can we do to adjust things a little bit further? I think baseball's already done so many things to try to bring in the average eyeball that why not why not do something to help the eyeballs that are already there, the people that this isn't about getting baseball to people that don't have it. This is about giving baseball to people that want it today, that like your sport, that want to watch their team today on an off day and possibly go to a game. The other thing I was obsessed with yesterday, just obsessed with, 
was the NASCAR street race in Chicago. I'm as casual of a NASCAR fan as it gets. I mean, even more so. Like, I don't really watch a lot of the races. I don't even know who wins all the time. I set, like, a daily fantasy lineup and, you know, maybe follow it. I like during the uh, the pandemic year. I didn't like the pandemic year, but I liked that there were midweek races as they were trying to catch up. And, hey, Wednesday night, I'll watch a race with no fans. That's fine. Uh, it's kind of entertaining. It's something to have on on the TV. When there's nothing else on, I like to throw a race on and just have it as background noise. But they did something wild yesterday. They took over downtown Chicago and raced on the streets of Chicago, the actual streets of Chicago. And typically where they raced is in a park area of downtown. Typically that area is hopping on the 4th of July. People coming down, enjoying the parks, going to the different uh, museums and auditoriums and and spending time, the Big Bean in Chicago, and it's right off the river, and people like to go down there. The Taste of Chicago is usually held, big event on that weekend. That got kicked to September because of this NASCAR race. So NASCAR NASCAR spends $50 million to have this race in Chicago to do it in the streets, and everything is going according to plan. They get the Xfinity race started on Saturday, and then the weather comes. And a lot of NASCAR people right now are saying, if you ever want, if you ever need to cure a drought, have a NASCAR race because the rain will come. Chicago normally gets four inches of rain in the month of July, historically. There were parts of Chicago that got four and a half, five inches of rain just over the 24-hour period from Saturday night into Sunday. And then they had to delay the race a little bit. They ended up canceling the Xfinity race and calling it before their designated time, like a baseball game needs five innings to be official. These races need so many laps to be official. They said, screw that. We got it. We got to, we raced a little bit. We got to have a winner. Okay. Cole Custer, congrats. But then with NASCAR yesterday, they started the race and they don't have street lights. Like the street light, they don't have, they have street lights, but they don't have like NASCAR stadium lights. They're going to spend $50 million to have a day race. They're not also installing temporary lights for one night. And they start so late that then they have to shorten the race. So some during the race, these guys expect to go 100 laps. During the race, they're told, hey, it's only 75 laps. Uh, okay, so I just took a pit stop. That benefits me. Or, you know, now, now I got to change my strategy mid-race. The winner of the race, since I'm talking about this, um, Shane Van Gispergen. I don't know who that is. Justin Haley, I've heard of him. Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch. They finished two through five, but congrats to, I'll just call him SVG. Congrats to him. And this is a great thing because more people were talking about NASCAR than before. Yes, it was probably not as good as they wanted it to be. Uh, Dave Coleman, who covers the sport, tweeted, it was 80% first-time ticket buyers. We were reaching first-time viewers on TV. This might not make a long-term difference but it's getting exposure where it otherwise wouldn't. And for everybody that uh, covers this sport and watches this sport, it was a nice change of pace. The one image you may see of this was there was a pileup, not really a pileup, more of a traffic jam. 14 cars got stacked up on Michigan Avenue. And that was the, that's the meme that will stick. So NASCAR basically spent $50 million to have a traffic jam on Michigan Avenue where people could quote tweet, oh, been there. Just this is normal Tuesday in Chicago. Will it will it make more fans? I don't know. Did it get eight minutes of airplay on Bill Ryder's show? 
with a fill-in host? It did. So congrats. CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 